Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Absy Connects Podcast Pause. I'm your host, Elise Martinowski, and I am delighted to share this episode with you all. I had the absolute pleasure of recording with Anita Kemp and Dr. Amanda Williams about the Women's Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub here in Alberta. They both have their fingers in the world of entrepreneurship. Anita has started her own business as an entrepreneur, and Amanda is involved in quite a few areas of research around women's entrepreneurship. So combined, the two of them have an extensive knowledge base on this topic and have done so much work for and as women entrepreneurs themselves. And I'm very glad that in my conversation with Anita and Amanda, one of one of the two of them had pointed out that International Women's Day was coming up in early March. So we pushed to have this episode recorded and edited in time to release on International Women's Day to highlight and celebrate the incredible women entrepreneurs we have in the province of Alberta and how they have made space, defied odds, um, broken down stereotypes and are just being gosh darn inspiring. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Anita and Amanda. Wonderful. Thank you for being here um, and chatting with me this morning. It's a nice, nice early morning on, I know, Amanda, you're on reading week right now, which is nice. It's glorious. I get to hear myself talk in another way since I'm not in front of a classroom. It's fabulous. You know, it's almost like I would go through withdrawal if I didn't get to record (laughs) myself and hear my voice at least once this week. I knew you needed that. I just knew it. There you go. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, looking out for me. Oh, yeah, I'm here. Filling that void for you. Well, thanks both of you for being here. We're going to chat about the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, and we have Amanda and Anita joining us. So I'll let you introduce yourselves. And yeah, who are you? What do you do? Sounds good. Go. You start, Anita, please. Okay. Yeah. So hi, uh, I'm Anita Kemp. I'm Alberta's program lead for the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub. Um, I would introduce myself by describing myself as an entrepreneur and a lifelong learner, and both of which I didn't discover really until I was in my 40s. So when I quit the corporate (laughs) world of finance and uh, finished my master's degree and started a business. That's me in a nutshell right now. (laughs) Wonderful. Nice. So I am, uh, I guess, Dr. Amanda Williams, but please call me Amanda. I'm an assistant professor in the School of Communication Studies at Mount Royal University. Um, I've been um, a key faculty member involved with the Women's Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, um, the Alberta Hub, for the last two years. And um, in the context of what we're talking about today, I'm also um, a member of the Global Entrepreneurship Monitor, which um, is GEM, that's what it's shortened to, the Mm -hmm. Canada team, and a research fellow for the Centre for Innovation Studies. And why I bring that up is I've been working with their data set for the last four years, publishing reports on things like the state of youth entrepreneurship in both Canada and Western Canada, um, and looked a little bit more deeply at the state of entrepreneurship in both Alberta and nationally. So, and the kinds of reports that I've worked on um, uh, are available on the thesis website. So just www 
w dot uh, ca. And I only say that just because I'll be speaking about a little bit more. And one of the things that I always get is where can I find this information? So it's available there. Awesome. That's wonderful. And I'll make sure to put those links in the show notes too, so that folks can just click on it too. Be great. Wonderful. Well, you both bring such a such a huge knowledge and wisdom base to the to the topic that we're going to be chatting about today, um, which I'll also get you to introduce of what is the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, um, and how did you become a part of that? Okay, I can start off with the what is WEC. Uh, it's the RV, uh, abbreviation for the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub. But before I do, I just want to start off by sharing some statistics because um, I'm not sure how many of your listeners are aware, but Canadian women are some of the most active entrepreneurs in the world, launching businesses at rates that often outpace men. However, <laughs> Only 16% of Canadian small and medium-sized businesses are owned by women. And that number hasn't shifted in quite a few years. Um, 37% of self-employed Canadians are women. Mm -hmm. And only 10% of venture capital de deals in Canada go to companies founded by women. I wanted to share those statistics, which you can also find on WEC.ca, W-E-K-H.ca. Um, I want to share those statistics to kind of set the stage for, just, for talking about WEC and why it why it exists. So back in, uh, take you back in time to early 2019, mm -hmm. and uh, WEC was launched. It's a federally funded program, uh, funded over three years, $9 million over three years. And it came out of the larger women entrepreneurship strategy. Um, which um, was launched prior to, to WEC, and that was to invest $2 billion to double the number of women entrepreneurs by 2025. So um, the Knowledge Hub was launched. It's being led by the Diversity Institute at Ryerson University, along with the Brookfield Institute and the Ted Rogers School of Management, along with 10 regional hubs, Mount Royal University being the hub for Alberta, um, we're networking with over 250 organizations and supporting over 100,000 entrepreneurs. So the priorities of the, of the Knowledge Hub really are to map the entrepreneurship and innovation ecosystem. What does it look like? Um, so we can even start to look at where the gaps are. On the website, we have over 2,000 resources currently shared on our website platform, um, as well as collecting and sharing research and data on diverse women entrepreneurship. Um, just want to mention we have almost 30 reports created to date with over 20 in progress, as well as identifying who's doing what, what's working, and what are some of the promising practices, which we'll come to shortly with our Alberta research. And finally, um, last but not least, is to challenge the stereotypes of entrepreneurs. That's one of the things that we've been focusing on and um, you know, sharing more of the success stories of women-owned women businesses. And uh, on March 5th, um, WEC will be launching their See It, Be It campaign. This On their website, there will be an event, which is also, uh, the resources are on the website too, but they're launching an event, and it's a See It, Be It campaign to challenge the, you know, who we see as success stories. Um, and the goal is to have about a thousand women on this database in March 
So um, not only just to showcase mm. these success stories, but to have a resource, like to have a database for those organizations that are saying, you know, you know, where, you know, who, who could we get um, as a voice for, for this industry or this topic? And a lot of the time they're saying, well, there's no women to contact or, or award ceremonies, right? It's, so this will be a database for organizations to go to and, and look for these, these amazing women. So that's really it. Um, in terms of what we're doing, there's a, a ton of research as well that's not uh, work focused. That's also that we share because that's really like the platform that uh, the remit that WEC has, has been asked to to provide. And um, and then I'll let Amanda kind of tell her story of how she got into this <laughs> this project, and then I can share mine too. Wonderful. Yeah, um, I mean, Anita has done a great job in sort of summarizing um, uh, what WEC does. And I think another important part of it was we did not have the information we needed. Policymakers did not have the information they needed at their fingertips to make good decisions. So, so much of this is to help develop, um, you know, a current catchphrase, evidence-based policy making, but to actually have um, up-to-date information on what's going on and 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 what challenges we might meet um, as we try to double those rates by 2025, um, uh, where um, those barriers exist. Um, and I was quite lucky. I was sort of in the right place at the right time. I was invited to the launch event um, because our dean at the time, Dr. Elizabeth Evans, was unable to attend. And I just um, published some of the GEM data on entrepreneurship. So she said, would you would you go and, and represent Mount Royal University in the Alberta Hub at this event? And um, it was remarkable from the start. It was really inspiring. Um, you know, there were some really amazing um, research issues raised, um, some exciting partnerships already being formed. Um, and I, I found myself just being drawn to these incredible stories of these women who wanted to make a difference in the world and were following their passion. Um, and I, those are not always stories I hear of in the university context from my own colleagues, right? Oftentimes, um, uh, not all academics, but some academics. Academics are typically academics and entrepreneurs. So um, these were really different stories to me. And the notion of challenging stereotypes deeply, deeply resonated with me because all of my sort of academic journey has been around that. So I've worked on sort of what are sort of the met metaphors and mental models we use to understand um, technology when tackling rural broadband issues in um, in remote communities in Alberta. So that's what my PhD dissertation was um, uh, in the last sort of decade, I've worked on um, discourses of sustainability associated with the Alberta oil sands. So this was just sort of another kind of thing. Um, and also as someone who teaches communication, we have a very, the media has a very uneasy relationship with its presentation of women. We tend to yeah. see objectification of both women and marginalized groups in very precise sort of ways. So a great deal of what I teach um, uh, I felt fed into this and it, it has been a really fruitful area. I've, I've done community service learning projects with my students associated with stereotypes, um, 
around female entrepreneurship. Um, I have um, worked at getting my students to translate some of the information we have about female entrepreneurs in um, a more accessible format. Um, uh, I currently just uh, set up a project for one of our partners where they're working with um, a second year journalism class and developing some podcasts on uh, women um, centered economic development um, led by another faculty member. So it's been really, really enriching for me as an area both um, uh, that I'm curious about, but also mm -hmm. that I can bring into the classroom in very innovative ways that will hopefully help move um, some of these uh, these these structural barriers or, or help to dismantle them in some small ways because the wonderful students we have at MRU. I know you're you're an alumni yourself. Go on and, and occupy some remarkable leadership roles. So mm -hmm. if I can challenge their views of some of these things and they can take that into the workplaces they go into, I feel I've done my job just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I got into this gig because I was an entrepreneur. <laughs> And I was asked, I was invited uh, through my work, uh, through my work with women entrepreneurs in my own business, um, I was invited to help facilitate the launch event. And, uh, and it was, you know, being able to, to meet people like Amanda and Dr. Elizabeth Evans and work with them and create this event. And um, because of my own passion for working with entrepreneurs uh, as a professional coach, um, and having studied entrepreneurship in my master's degree, uh, it was um, I just jumped at the opportunity for the launch event, and then was invited to to lead the the programming um, at the hub in Alberta. And really, you know, and to sum up our purpose, for, it's to build a community of practice in Alberta that's more inclusive and supportive to women entrepreneurs. That's why we're passionate about doing it. Mm -hmm. Incredible. I love it. It just makes me so happy to um, to know that that um, this organization has been created and is working to advocate for women entrepreneurs. When you were sharing all the statistics, I was like, wow, those are really low. Like, I I don't know what I would have thought the statistics were, but I, I definitely was uh, surprised by them. So, yeah, very, very much needed in our province of Alberta right now. Yeah. And just to add to that. You said you, yeah, you were just saying like you were surprised about the statistics and, um, you know, that was it, those statistics, if they could shift that, that, that number from 16%, um, if they could shift it to like mm -hmm. by 10%, that could add annually 50 billion to the GDP, right? So just, you know, wow. if people want to know like, what's the, mm -hmm. what's the impact, what is the impact of shifting it just a little bit? Um, and the fact it hasn't, you know, in 2011, that number mm -hmm. was 15.6%. So the dial hasn't shifted, so there is a need for this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the and the the fact that it hasn't shifted at all, not even that it's only at sixteen percent, but that it hasn't moved since twenty eleven. That's huge. Like that was ten years ago. Well, that was ten years ago already. Holy Dinah. <laughs> um, so I know Amanda, you just you had mentioned the research that you've done, and so today we're going to be shedding some light on that research that you've done, the techniques of them, um, and the stories that have emerged emerged from the data because the, the information we get can tell such a rich story, whether quantitative or qualitative data. So I'll pass the, the mic back over to the two of you to share some of those stories, what the techniques look like and, and um, yeah, what's come from them. 
Well, I mean, you did a great job mentioning that there are two two ways to really get to the root of some of what's going on, qualitative and quantitative. And I have the great privilege, for instance, of, of working in the, both those spaces. Um, so for instance, the Global Entrepreneurship Monitor data that I mentioned, GEM, um, is you know one of the few um, really strong baseline studies of entrepreneurship done that's also comparative in nature um, that really aims to come up with some, some uh, very uh, trend-based data on what's going on with entrepreneurship. And, you know, they have a really inclusive definition of entrepreneurship, it's any attempt at a new business or new venture creation, such as self-employment, um, the expansion of an existing business by an individual, a team of individuals, or even an established business. You know, they do work that talks about early entrepreneurship, so under 3.5 years versus sort of over that. So becoming an established entrepreneur. Um these studies have been going on for 22 years. Canada has participated in almost um, uh, most of those years. There was a small gap where we did not participate. Um, and right now they currently, so when they started 22 years ago, they collected data from uh, 10 economies. So they don't refer the, to them as countries anymore, but economies. And now um, last year they collected data from 115 on all continents across the world. So again, it's not, we often do as well see a tendency to look at entrepreneurship just from, um, uh, you know, a North American or a European lens. But what makes, um, for instance, the GEM reports really interesting is they collect, you know, highly relevant and current data directly from individual entrepreneurs. They provide sort of a unique um, a look at that um, and you can compare it globally. So I can say, okay, what's Canada's rate and what's Argentina's or, I um, mean, there's some really fascinating work that emerges that way. Um, but they also allow us to dig a bit deeper, for instance, as a member of the national team around what's going on in our national context. And, you know, we, we want to know how do Canadians feel about entrepreneurship? Um, and again, the story there is we actually rank quite high in terms of the status. We see it as a good job. We think the media covers it quite favorably. Um, uh, you know, we have positive attitudes towards it. And some countries don't. Some might say, hey, the media does a good job, but it's lower status, right? So so those, that is a very national sort of culture of entrepreneurship. Um, we can see sort of where, how entrepreneurs themselves feel about their skills and assess them. Um, we can look at demographics. And again, for me, some of the most interesting work in the context of 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 Canada in general is we're great at starting businesses, but not necessarily maintaining them. So we actually have quite strong data that consistently shows like, you know, um, we don't have a startup problem, but we do have a scale up problem. So that's a huge part of it. Um, Alberta always stands out as a really unique space and place for entrepreneurship. And for women entrepreneurs, we have a very rich and unique population in terms of women wanting to be in the entrepreneurial space, but they don't necessarily have the supports. The data shows that they don't necessarily have the supports to continue that. Um, and another thing that always stands out when I look at the gem data is sort of the higher rates of fear of failure that women 
express and Canadians in general, we're a bit more hesitant, even though we feel great about entrepreneurship, we do feel like we could fail at it. And this doesn't make us feel entirely comfortable, but you know, we, we see, um, you know, women, women seeing opportunities, having good, decent networks, but not rating themselves nearly close as high in their skills and abilities as their male counterparts. And, you know, for me, that's just some of those deep structural issues associated with how we empower male versus female in terms of the leadership roles we offer. And also just the work we do even in K to 12 in establishing that entrepreneurial mindset, not through a gendered uh, or a gender biased lens. Um, and I mean, it's great news, like young women are more active in the entrepreneurial space, like that 18 to 34 year old demographic is driving entrepreneurship in Alberta. Um, we also see that there's very different needs, right? We have women entrepreneurs who are really happy being sole entrepreneurs and not expanding their workforce. And those those women will have very different needs and policy solutions that should be geared towards them than say um, those women seeking sort of more of that high growth. Um, so, you know, more than than 20 employees in the next five to 10 years. Um, uh, so, so again, what this, this sort of technique allows us to do is really make some very specific um, uh, uh, statements about what's going on, how it's changing, where it's not changing, what our good news story is in in Canada, and where our policy supports could and should be different. Um, and and again, it I do find that policymakers love quantitative data, but as Anita will will speak, the work that we've been doing a little bit more in our hub is is more qualitative oriented. And for me that that's nearer and dearer to my heart because I think that gets right at some of the dynamics that are going on that will never be captured in that wide trend data. Yeah, that's amazing. So that was a lot about sort of gem and, and the techniques used there, but it just helps contextualize, um, uh, you know, the need for different kinds of work to answer different kinds of questions and to provide um, rich and detailed insights that can um, that can teach us what questions to ask and where we go next. And I could listen to Amanda for for hours on on this stuff. She articulates it so well, um, and you know I can kind of segue pretty mm -hmm. much really well into the qualitative piece that um, Amanda was talking about, and that's into kind of our research that we've been conducting. Um, it, it, at home in in Alberta, and what we were doing, we wanted to. We took this gem data. We well, we kind of took the the Stats Canada data, and we took the gem data. And then, how do we dig deeper? How do we um, look at it more closely? And we wanted to answer questions like, what's working for women entrepreneurs in Alberta? Like, what what could we improve? What could be improved? And what are some of the potential challenges and opportunities that, that might lie ahead? And, you know, for us, more importantly, how might like, existing Alberta solutions, things that are going on right now, be scaled, right, across Canada to, you know, build that social, mm -hmm. financial and entrepreneurial capital for women? And we found uh, an Alberta solution being offered uh, with ATB Financial. 
a program focused on rewards-based crowdfunding for women entrepreneurs called Build Her Business. And just to, um, for some that, that aren't familiar with crowdfunding, it's typically done through a web-based platform. Uh, most people have, may have heard like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, like some of the larger. It's an alternative way to raise money, to raise funding from the crowd, I put in quotes. It's a social network of people looking to support organizations. And um, it can be the funding can be in different forms, but we focus on the rewards base that the, in exchange for the funding, um, the crowd would receive a, a reward of some kind of product or, or a service. This is a multi billion dollar um, funding space uh, globally in the reward space and charity mm -hmm. uh, based crowdfunding. So, um, you know, we wanted to kind of look deeper at that. And we realized that there was research being done in the crowdfund in this crowdfunding space to show that women were outperforming men in their campaigns. They were raising more money than mm -hmm. for their businesses the men and so we had this research and we had this program with these participants uh, that were going through the program in, in alberta and so we we took some of the existing research um, that was saying what are some of the factors that are attributing to this success and we found that um, some of the reports were saying that women were better at setting measured targets in their campaigns um, mm -hmm. and achieving them and sometimes exceeding them Women's capacity to tell a story, right? the storytelling capacities, telling the story of their business. Um, the traditional business language just really didn't seem to be cutting it uh, on the crowdfunding space. And, and finally, that perception, and I want to make sure the perception that women are more trustworthy. So those were kind of some of the factors we were seeing in the research. And uh, ATB Financial were kind enough to allow us to... Um, uh, interview some of their participants and the amazing women who volunteer. I'm just going to jump into the recording here. Um, for all of our listeners, Anita's audio started cutting out when we were recording this part of the episode. So Amanda is going to jump in and fill in those blanks. Those areas, right? The idea there that women are, for instance, better at setting the measured targets, their capacity to storytell tends to be stronger in that media. And then that perception of women being more trustworthy and authentic. I just want to make sure that that's clear. Mm -hmm. And then I think there's one thing too, there's some really interesting research around um, uh, what they, again, it's very jargony, but activist choice homophily. So the idea that we like to support people that are like us, right? So in this case, women are attracted to supporting other women and to supporting right. um, uh, women-centered businesses. Um, and so there's that notion that, um, you know, you, you are attracted to a specific group because they are like you, right? Um, so yeah, so keep going. Sorry, Anita. I just, I wanted to make sure those things were caught because they are so, um, it is a bit of a paradox in the literature because we often hear mm -hmm. access to finance is an issue. Women don't succeed as much as men in the space, but this is a little piece of the puzzle where it's different. And these were the explanations that were offered in the data to sort of help understand that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I'll, I'll pick up from there that we were yeah we were given the opportunity to interview a number of the past participants of the Build Her Business program to test 
out these findings that Amanda just described and to tackle our own research questions and, and to validate that idea that crowdfunding may be helping to change uh, the, the gender dynamics of, of business financing. And I am now going to hand it back mm -hmm. over to Amanda uh, to talk about the findings that um, came out of these these interviews, these rich stories, the lived experience of these women, and why we why um, why we we chose this qualitative approach. Yeah, we really heard some amazing stories on sort of um, it allowed them to validate their product or service in a very low risk way. Right? They didn't have to borrow money to do mm -hmm. that. They were actually getting money or even not getting money, right? These women weren't about, it wasn't, oh, I was so awesome at crowdfunding. That's not even the stories that they told, right? It was about the experiences associated with putting their idea out there and getting that, that feedback um, about whether they stay the course, whether they pivot. Um, we heard stories of this strong sense of community between the female participants. So like getting together to offer co-rewards with each other, collaborating on things, um, and even just asking each other questions and like supporting each other saying like, I'm not feeling good about how this is going right now. Like, you know, just knowing that there were other people kind of this, this notion of a cohort based, um, program really, really emerged there. Um, you know, having a supported program. So where you had that was sort of scaffolded. So ATB providing kind of the support and, you know, very clear directives, um, very clear timelines, very, uh, you know, strong direction around what that looked like. Um, mm -hmm. And again, um, for me, what I what I was really excited about was just that, you know, innovation there happened in ways that I might not have expected. So again, you know, the women talked about um, how it changed their entire process of doing their business that they carried with them. You know, it made them better at um, at understanding social, for instance, and the need for social or the need to delegate using social so that you could keep up with the day-to-day -day demands of their business. Um, uh, the need to be good at sort of accounting and, and, and knowing where your money is and where it's going and what you want, um, getting better at telling your story um, and forcing yourself to think about what that story looks like in a, in a clear, digestible way. Um, you know, and we also saw a lot of validation with, um, with, the existing literature around the beauty of the medium, right? For storytelling. And this is the one thing I'm always a little anxious because I teach about technology and I see the good and the bad. Um, and I'm more of a, have you thought of the negatives? But in this case, right, this is a medium um, where, where being visual, telling your story, being authentic, doing those things makes a difference because people see through like, you know, the business plan 101. That's not exciting for for potential um, potential contributors. So so it was really exciting to see how that um, how that emerged um, um, and just the relationship they built with their crowd. Um, uh, you know, so we did see some some disruption in sort of funding business ventures. But again, um, you know, some things for me that I saw that that really stood out that that also, um, you know, I shouldn't say 
concerned me necessarily, but some of the identity making discourses they were advancing um, were ones that are broad and and societally driven. It's sort of like the idea that you know female entrepreneurs need to do it all. Um, they need to have it all figured out before they are deemed mm-hmm. successful. Um, that real anxiety associated with asking for money, um, the challenges um, of what it means when you delegate and and how mm-hmm. you work through that and and ask for support. Um, the view that side gigs. Um, are not a value, right? Those were some of the broader discourses that I think that circulate out there in society about entrepreneurship and female entrepreneurship that often work at cross purposes. And I saw the women sort of repeating those sorts of things. And it just reminded me of the need to sort of challenge and reformulate some of those stories. Um, And we also saw, you know, the love of an organization to say like, look at technology. It's democratizing this space. It's awesome that way. We never, you know, and again, the women are in a different space. So did I expect them to, to talk about the space of democratization? Not necessarily. Um, but that's certainly emerged in many of our organizational interviews. So we spoke to both female participants and those that ran the program. Um, and it, it concerns me because I feel like sometimes these programs almost become a quick fix for saying, look, look at what we're doing for women. You know, we're doing some awesome stuff. But when you think about crowdfunding, you're downloading additional labor on the women themselves, right? Like there's a lot of work that they have to do in terms of managing. So it's yet another role they they have to fulfill. It actually takes the pressure off banks in giving capital and addressing their systematic biases associated with why they don't perhaps sometimes give give loans to women. Um, And it doesn't always necessarily raise attention to the deeper structural inequities associated with the access to finance that we continually see repeated, particularly when it comes to those female organizations that want to scale up, that want to build these remarkable things, but are in a very strongly male-dominated space, um, mm-hmm. you know, the VC space that that does not favor women. Those statistics there are much bleaker, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, and again, the lack of leadership in organizational roles that are provided to to um, our leadership opportunities for women, again, means there's less mentorship capacity available. Like all of these things work together in tandem. So again, mm-hmm. I, I loved the program. I loved the way the women supported themselves. The fact that they didn't focus on the money they made, but rather the lessons they learned and the relationships they built with each other and their crowd. But I also always worry a little bit because I think it, it maybe lets um, financial institutions and those who are not really um, uh, continuously examining their um, their gender biases off the hook um, mm-hmm. a little bit, um, and especially because you know crowdfunding is a small piece of that picture. It's not going to um, to scale up. Um, those those larger those twenty plus organizations and those you know really medium sized businesses it's it's not going to happen in the crowdfunding space so I don't know did I miss anything Anita please jump in at any time 
No, I think you did a, a wonderful job of of taking us through that the story, our uh, beginning, middle, and end, and and what you know, and the other missing piece for us is where are these women now? Right, they have this knowledge, they have mm. this increased confidence, they have their community, um, they have a tool for raising money, one tool to raise to raise money. Where are they now in their business? So that's you know kind of a more of a longitudinal approach that would be a great kind of next step uh, in research. You know, in in this space, and um, and and like Amanda said, it's maybe you know it, it's not the, um, the the one solution to to uh, increase that ten percent <laughs> access to venture capital, um, but it's definitely a, a solution that has worked for these women. It, um, they were able to raise money, so um, so it's being able to how how might we scale that is the next kind of practical question. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And you both already answered my next question of what, what stood out to you in the experience and um, and the stories of doing this research and the data that came from it. So you both already answered that. But was there any were there any other pieces that you wanted to share that really stood out to you about the about the experience? Again, it's to me, it's inspiring. It's um, it's a very different. I often have done um, research with like policymakers, because my um, professional experience is as an analyst, like I worked for um, the federal government, I worked internationally for the United Nations, I'm often interested in sort of that policy perspective. One of my go to places, of course, is to speak to policymakers themselves, or even organizational leaders um, um, in sort of um, the not for profit or the business space or, um, or that policy space. But um, I just loved hearing the stories of, of these women. And it, it just reminded me that, um, that, uh, you know, with, with passion, resiliency, perseverance, um, and, and just a desire to do good, um, you can, you can, change the world and and their courage um was really admirable to me because i i do feel in universities we're a little protected sometimes you know like it it's um uh it's 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 a sheltered environment which is beautiful for learning and for growing and students need that environment they really really do to learn and experiment in a low risk way um but it's it's so refreshing to see um these women out here and and just their desire to want to help and support each other um and i uh you know as a parent a working parent myself who's had many struggles with like child care and balance i was like oh i i can these stories resonate with me so much even though we're on a a slightly different journey and it was just so beautiful to see women coming together to support each other in 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 such a wonderful way and like a desire to mentor when when they didn't need to anymore and a desire to pass that on and just make sure everybody does a little bit better than they did just with with no um uh financial gain associated with that and again i'm I'm not convinced that men might not have the same conversations about those things, but I also think 
they might not. And so that's another area that I think would be quite interesting is to ask some of those same questions and see um, in more of a cohort based um, environment if if that's um, what men take away from it. I wouldn't expect to see it as much because I think the networks that are established there for men, like they don't even have to give it a second thought because it's it's there, right, to a large extent. And, and that's not the fault of individual men or anything, but but that's that's the way sort of a, a patriarchal capitalistic system has functioned. Um, and uh, you know, I I was listening to a talk the other day that said like for that to change it's not a win-win for everybody right away because men will have to give things up. They have to be willing to give things up. Right. Um, and, uh, but they should be willing to do that because in the end, the benefits and the diversity of views and, and the diversity we add to that space will be worth it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Going back to your question of, you know, what kind of stood out um, for us as personally for me, because um, I'm an entrepreneur myself, you know, I came at it like listening to these stories of these women. It resonates, resonates with me. And also for, for, for my own, as a coach, uh, as a professional coach, working with women that are transitioning in through their careers or into side hustles or into entrepreneurship, it's, you know, these stories weren't new for, for me. I was applying a different lens as a researcher. Um, but at the same time, I've listened to many of these conversations and there is definitely, they're, they're unique in their stories, but there's a thread that runs through them that we're just trying to, to, to kind of pull out that thread and, and be able to show it, show it in our research. And so that people can see this and see the need to, to continue with the research. It was just, you know, this was one study um, with, uh, you know, and qualitative studies as we, <laughs> as we've learned around, like they're, you know, they're, they're definitely more challenging to sh share because they are stories. Um, and, you know, we are, we did go into them with a very kind of a data focused, um, laser focused approach, believe me. But at the same time, we, um, I, you know, what really stood out for me was the willingness for these women to share their stories, the willingness to share the stories. Yeah. And I see that at the events we attend and that, like, it's just um, the honesty and um, just the sort of laying it out there to share and relate is mm -hmm. so refreshing to me because it's not um it's not always what i find in the environment um that i that i'm always in with my colleagues and that's no disrespect to the amazing people i work with at mru um but but it just it and it's a different sphere of activity mm -hmm. so um but very inspirational mm -hmm. yeah and I've, I've noticed the thread throughout of of um the storytelling you've both have mentioned it quite a few times of the women wanting to share their stories and and connect with each other on a deeper level and um and I, yeah it's just very inspiring and very nice nice that there's an environment to do that so i'm i'm again anita you brought us back to time and i was like oh yeah geez we're already at our at our ending here um so i'll pose my last question to the two of you before we before we sign off and that is i've i've somewhat changed it since since uh, i had sent it to you both but 
so there's one one of two ways you could go with it. One is if you could go back in time and talk to yourself before you started this journey with the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, what knowledge, words of wisdom, advice, encouragement would you give yourself? Or if there was somebody somebody out there, a women entrepreneur who's who's starting out or scaling up or something like that, what advice would you give to them? Um, well, Anita, do you want to go first or? Uh, yeah, I'm just thinking, who do I want to talk to myself <laughs> or, or, or the women or, or maybe, maybe mm-hmm. both. I think, you know, what yeah. the words of wisdom that I, I would have given myself, bef- you know, before taking on my role with WEC um, was to just, you know, keep, keep big, keep, bring your entrepreneurship. Uh, bring your entrepreneurship mindset into this space. Um, I was delving into a very kind of heavily academic world that's looking at entrepreneurship. And uh, so I would have, um, even though I probably have done in hindsight, but I would just have emphasized that is to, you know, to, to keep what you know and bring that bring that into the space. And then just to, for other women um, that are considering starting uh, a business, it really, you know, actually we had an event yesterday, so I want to steal a quote from, we had an event yesterday for uh, indigenous women entrepreneurs in Alberta. And, um, and there was some pretty successful women entrepreneurs uh, on the panel. And one of them had said, her advice was don't wait for success to reach out to people. Don't wait for success to connect with others. And that was Nicole Matos from Rivet Management. So I want to give her the the quote. Yeah, and it resonates so much with what we found in in our own work and that that the women weren't waiting for that. And as a result, the the partnerships and the support they developed from that was truly remarkable. And and for me, I'm always reminded when I take in um, and take on a, a uh, a project like this that I just need to be patient and I need to stay curious. Right. Um, you know, I am, you know, my, the story and this story is continuing to unfold. My assumptions are being challenged in new ways. Like I'm, I'm thinking about why do we always start with economic stats when to define the value of women, when in reality, that's not what our women chose to talk about at all. Right. So I'm just continually, it's like a big jigsaw puzzle as I put these pieces together where I don't quite know the, the, totality of the story, but, um, but each event and, and thing that I attend and, and information that I take in, uh, helps that become a little bit clearer. And I'm also reminded, uh, that where I am now won't be maybe where I am in five years. And I might look back and think, man, Amanda, you were very naive when you wrote about this in this way, but that's also okay. Um, because that actually shows I'm doing my job. If I, if I, do the research and I know what I'm going to find. And then in five years, my findings don't change. It's probably not a very good research project to some extent for me, particularly when you're doing qualitative work. Um, some of the trend data is very revealing with lack of changes, but, but for some of the deeper work, like what we did in our project, um, that shouldn't be the case. And, and the way I come to it should, should change. Mm-hmm. Incredible. What great words of wisdom from the both of you. Um, And such a wonderful conversation just all together. Thank you so much for sharing about the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub. 
and your experience in researching that and the stories that came from it. I am very leaving this conversation very inspired by everything that you both shared. Um, so thank you again so much for being open and sharing your sharing your stories. Thank you. Thanks for inviting us and and um, for all the work that that you're doing and and the sharing of these stories because it's important work too and it's a different audience and it's it's exciting. So thank you for allowing us the opportunity to um, to connect with you. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you. Yes, and yeah, what Amanda just said. <laughs> Yeah, it's me. I, I, you know, and, and, and I know this, like for Absi Connect, you know, the social innovation space in Alberta, um, as you work, you know, we are um, quite involved in that space and there is definitely a, a strong connection and it's a very welcoming space uh, and, a, and definitely a, a needed space um, in our province. Well, we encourage folks within yeah. your network to reach out to us to talk about research projects and things and ways we can support them as well, because, um, you know, that's part of me staying curious. Um, you know, we're always open to facilitating <laughs> some of those partnerships as well um, within MRU with um, community mm -hmm. partners, um, because there's some really amazing synergies that can happen. Yeah, and, and Amanda, you mentioned earlier that, like mm -hmm. the, you know, the the whole idea of the economic, the economic perspective. It's there's a so there is you know a social thread um, that links through through the data, through the stories. There's you know it, there's definitely it's not just about raising the GDP. It's not just about having equality, right? It's about the social impact of more women succeeding in in, in business. Yeah, definitely. Well, I've kept you seven minutes over our time. So hopefully I'm not keeping you from other meetings. It's happened to me yesterday too. The conversations are, have just been so good that I uh, we've been going over time, which is A-OK -okay with me as long as my guests aren't, aren't uh, needing to be places. <laughs> okay, well, wonderful. Thank you both again. Have a wonderful rest of your Thursday. Thursday, almost the weekend. Thanks to you. Take care. Oh, Thank you. You as well. We'll chat right. to you. Thanks everyone for tuning into this episode of Pause. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something and are inspired by the incredible entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs in the province of Alberta. In the spirit of reconciliation, I'd like to acknowledge that the homes we live in and the places that all three of us were sitting in to record this podcast episode are situated on lands that were until relatively recently used and cared for exclusively by Indigenous peoples. We acknowledge the past, present and future generations of First Nations, Métis and Inuit who have traditionally gathered in and cared for our land. As always, I would love to hear what you thought of the episode, so please let me know in the comments on your favourite listening platform, shoot me an email. Send me a DM on Instagram. Um, any and all of the above is awesome. I hope you all have a fabulous rest of your day, afternoon, evening, weekend, wherever you're at listening to this episode. Have a good one.